Well, hey there, this is Keith. Listen, before we start the episode today, I just wanted to take a moment and speak directly to anyone who might be listening who's still in the closet. Well, the first thing I want to tell you is that's perfectly okay. Do what is best for you when it is best. Never let anyone else pressure you in this decision. But let's say that you are thinking about coming out, or there's a part of you that really does want to come out, but you want to do so very carefully, very slowly, very strategically, and even very selectively. Well, if that's you, my friend, I've got you covered. I want you to go to the show notes and use a link there to check out my Selective Outage Method digital course. I think you're going to be surprised, and I believe it'll help you as you plan your coming out. All right, let's get on with the podcast. Hello, and welcome to Coffee with Keith. I'm Keith Brown, and I'm so glad that you could join me for this podcast, where my passion in life is to help my LGBTQIA plus Christian family heal their church trauma, and hopefully construct genuine faith. Before we begin, let me just tell you a little bit about me. For the last 30 plus years, I've had the joy of teaching, speaking, and performing as a comedy magician in my in-person events all over the United States. I'm also the published author of fiction and nonfiction books, and one of the greatest joys I've had in life is pastoral counseling, coaching, and mentoring hundreds and hundreds of people over the last 30 plus years. I'm proud of all those things. But can I also tell you, I know what it's like to hurt and I know what it's like to suffer deep church trauma, specifically around sexual identity, as so many of you obviously have as well. So if that's something that you can buy into and you would like to partner with me as we try to help each other in this journey thing we call life, then you're in the right place. I encourage you to grab a cup of coffee, sit at my table, and let's have a chat. One disclaimer, though, please. I am not a medical professional, nor am I a licensed therapist. So if you need either of those services, please do consult a local professional. Otherwise, let's get it started here on Coffee with Keith get to hear from my wonderful guests that I try to have on every Wednesday who take their time to pour into us from their own life experience and from their knowledge. So you don't want to miss any of those. And uh, also, if you are on one of the platforms, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and you can, please consider taking just a moment to give us a five-star, an honest five-star rating, I hope, uh, and maybe a word of feedback because it really does do two things. I often go on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to look and see if there are any ratings there, any five-star ratings, because, you know, it just blesses my my heart, you know? I mean, we all like to get some positive feedback, and, you know, we can't help that. We're human, and there are ways that we, we get some validation. And, you know, this is a way that you can validate that what we're doing here matters, and that that's all I'm looking for in that. But also, um, if you do really enjoy enjoy the show and you want to try to help cover some of the expenses that we have in putting this podcast out, which there are some, um, I would just invite you to be a monthly subscriber for only $5. You're going to get a shout out and a personal email of thanks from me, but you're also going to be able to help support keeping this podcast on the air. So I would appreciate your consideration. There'll be a link in the show notes if that is something you would be willing to do. Thank you very much. And I think that's all the housekeeping I want to do right now. So let's turn our attention to the scriptures, okay? One of the readings for this upcoming Sunday is from the book of Acts, 
chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. And I want to read it for you. And this is such a an interesting text. It's one that evangelicals really drive home. It's one of the texts that they use to even use in their um, evangelism techniques and trying to win souls to Christ. So it's a very popular conversion story of Saul. And it sort of feels a little out of place in the book of Acts because it it kind of is different than the contextual matters that are going on around it. But, you know, uh, I think that um, not only in purpose, but in in time, it it, it really fits. So uh, I'm glad it's here. I think it's some insightful um, knowledge for us and some help. And I really want to just read it to you. And then I want to share with you four thoughts I have for us on this text as it applies directly to, I think, the community. Okay. So again, Acts 9 verses 1 through 9. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, and those are the ones that were following after Jesus' teaching, if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem and and, uh, Damascus were about 135 miles apart from each other by foot, okay? So that's, that. that geographically, that's what we're talking about here. Um, Again, belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. May God bless the reading of his word. Wow, isn't that a powerful story? This healingist, this this one who was passionate about the tradition of the synagogue, the teaching of Jerusalem, the the, the tradition of the Jewish nation, the law of God, as it had been passed down from generation to generation from the Jewish nation, the one who was a Pharisee among Pharisee, this one named Saul, was totally committed to destroying those who claimed to follow after Jesus, his teachings, his love, his compassion for other people. This new, quote, the way. Even that sounds a little bit derogatory, doesn't it? So Paul goes to the chief priest and says, hey, dude, give me a letter to these synagogues. We got to do something about this. We got to, we got to, as old Barney Fife used to say on the Andy Griffith show, we got to nip this in the bud. We've got to do something. And so Paul takes this letter and decides to travel to Damascus. He's going to fight these heretics, these people who come against the way, the, 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 the tradition, the status quo. 
Anybody seeing any familiarity yet? <laughs> Anybody thinking, oh, wow, huh, I've kind of lived that story. Where the status quo, the tradition, the, the way it's always been, the, the belief systems that hurt and persecute me, and people who are determined to continue that life and living and and still remaining, that hurt, that pain, that prosecution. Yeah, that sounds a little bit personal, doesn't it? Because I think that those within the community, we can connect with this story. We can feel it. Because we know what it's like to be persecuted and sought after and harmed and hurt, all in the name of God and tradition and status quo. And yet on this journey, this hardened healingist Saul comes face to face with the living Jesus, the resurrected Christ, the one who created the way and created each of us. Saul goes to his knees and Jesus says, Saul, Saul. Notice again from the text what he says. Does he say, Saul, why are you attacking my people? No. Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you attacking me? Why is that significant? Because Jesus was personally relating to these persecuted folks. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, friend, Keith again, just dropping in really quickly to remind you that I am available for individual coaching. You know, for the last 35 plus years, I have had the joy of working with so many people over so many issues. So if you could use some coaching, check it out. Listen, I've got the time, I've got the experience, I've got the desire, and I've got the heart. All I need is you. The link's in the show notes. I hope you'll check it out today. Now, back to the episode. And I don't know about you, but I take comfort in the fact that I believe that my Jesus, my Christ, my Lord, takes relation with me and you. My dear queer, my dear queer friend. So, with this story as backdrop, may I just share with you, if I can, four simple thoughts I had on this, but things I think are valid, okay? And as you well know by now, if you've listened to Bible Talks any at all, I am the king of acrostics. So let's, hey, why not? Let's do one for this one as well. The word that I chose is the word hurt vertically, the word hurt. And each of those letters are just going to put into our minds, our hearts, and our spirit four lessons, four thoughts, four uh, points that I want to mention based and coming from this story. The first is this. Healinist will always exist. And what do I mean by that? People like Saul in the Christian church today People who are who are strongly um, related to the church, people who are strongly dedicated to the church, 
people who are insistent on keeping the traditional teachings of the church, even if they are wrong, which they have been so many times in history. I mean, let's just look at one example. For many years of history, the American church thought that slavery was perfectly okay and in alignment with God's perfect plan for the church. How wrong was that? And yet for years and years and years, people stood and, and, and demanded that, that, uh, that action because they believed that they had the right in Bible, in the scriptures of God, to own other people because it had been a tradition that goes back well beyond the Americas. It goes back to the beginning of humankind, slavery the owning of other people. We see it by the the actual people of Israel who were enslaved to the people of Egypt. And yet we know, I believe, we know clearly that that is not good. That is not the heart. That it would not fall in line with the teaching and the desire of Jesus. So I believe through my own understanding, my own heart, my own connection with God, and through years of passionate study in the Greek and Hebrew and context of this book, that God does not hate or banish those within the queer community. I believe that from the bottom of my being. And yet, there are people who will still throw those attacks those flames of of uh, abomination in our direction and as my hair on my head and my face continues to turn more gray by the day i have to accept in my spirit sadly that this guy will probably not live to see that completely disappear in my lifetime. Now, I hope it does eventually, and I honestly believe it will at some point. And the church, as a universal church, has made a lot of good progress around the world by many churches and many Christians and many church leaders around the world are now affirming and understanding the viability and the belonging of the queer community within the church. But let's just be honest. Those hedonistic (laughs) type Christians, those strong, conservative, evangelical, judgmental arrows will still always exist, at least in the near future. So we got to get our head around that. I, I wish it weren't so. I wish we could completely escape that, but we can't. We have to understand it will exist. The second is that you. We have to understand and acknowledge our standing with God. Now, firstly, I deal with a lot of people in the community that are first just struggling with getting their heart and their head connected that they are a loved child of God. Because through their life, they have been told So many times, you cannot be gay and be Christian. And 
even though they can logically understand the teaching of contextual analysis and hermeneutics around these six clobbered verses, we call them, they can get their head around that. They can understand it intellectually. There's still so many people within our community that are having hard time connecting their understanding mentally, cognitively of this truth with their heart and their subconscious mind because they have been hurt so many times over and over and over and over again. And yet, the only way we can ever be true followers of Christ and be lovers of God is we have to eventually get and understand and accept completely our standing before a mighty God as his child. I hope that that's where you are today. But if you're not, I get it. I really do. Statistically, I think we can show that most queer folks growing up in the conservative evangelical church with alarming numbers have completely walked away from the church, have completely walked away from their faith, actually. And although I get that, and I love you or them, it does break my heart. Because I am so convinced. Because I live it. Because I understand it for myself. Because I know what it feels like for myself. I I do hurt for those people who completely walk away because I believe that no matter what, you are a loved child of God. And so one of my passions and purposes in life is to try to be that bridge bridge builder to help people connect all the dots to keeping to their true self and loving God at the same time. So again, the age Hellenistics Christians will always exist. People who are, and I use that word just just because it associates to Saul, but basically you can say that uh, you know traditional judgmental Christians will always always exist. That's the first lesson. Number two, understand, acknowledge, and accept our standing with Almighty God. Number three, the R, respond to hurt properly. Okay, what do I mean by that? Well, if we are people who are part of the community and we believe that we have a proper standing with God, that we are loved by God, and that we belong to the table of God, the the fellowship of God, the church, if we honestly believe that, then we have two responsibilities when people speak against us. Number one, we want to lovingly, carefully explain why we believe that. Because I know that there are people who will listen. I know there are people who are willing to, 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 to hear us out. But I have to say, that's not the majority. But when they are willing to listen, when they are at least willing to be open to hearing, then I think that we have a responsibility to step into that, to explain it as best we can, 
as and here's the key as lovingly as we can because you know what sometimes we can be as nasty as they can i've seen that nasty going at nasty gets nothing but more nasty we have to do it the right way in the right spirit but if that opens up to us i think we need to step into that privilege that opportunity so that's the first thing we need we need to be able to respond correctly and um, intelligently and and that means we have to be you know studied up we need to be know what we know we need to, to understand our truth we need to have have um you know deconstructed our faith and constructed new faith genuine faith to do that but that's one of our responsibilities in responding the second is when those people are completely closed-minded, when they will not hear, when they only want to attack, when they only want to speak to us, their truth without any exception, then that's when we have to respond with boundaries. It does no good to combat that with facts. It does no good to combat that with 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 our place, our position, our knowledge, because they're not going to listen. So at that point, we have to enact boundaries. And those boundaries are not for them. It's simply to protect us. Okay? So we have to respond correctly. And that's those two ways, one of those two ways to every situation. And then the last one, the T, take comfort in affirming community. I can't say this enough. Community is critical to healing, happiness, and successful walk with Jesus. And truthfully, in life, in general. Community, people who believe in you, people who welcome you, people who truly get you, people who give you belonging is critical to your well-being, your happiness, your joy, your success in life. I believe that, and I have lived that. And I've also been around a lot of non-affirming people who zapped my energy and my spirit and hurt me. So I know that the other is true. Be around good affirming people. And with that said, I want to encourage you to do two practical things. The number one thing is this. I want you to actively look. If you're not part of a good, supporting, welcoming, not, uh, you know, in a certain but way, but a truly welcoming, loving, accepting, celebrating church, if you're not a member of one of those already, then I encourage you to begin looking at that. Because I promise you, once you experience that type of welcome and love, it's going to change you. It's going to bless you. And to do that, one of the places you can start, you can reach out to me if you have any questions about denomination or theology or how it might line with your thoughts. Um, that's sort of you know one of the things I do is help people uh, in that deconstruction and reconstruction process. But you know, go to gaychurch.org if you need help in finding some truly affirming churches in your area. And there are more and more every day. Thanks be to God for that. And then secondly, I, I want to truly invite you to 
truly consider looking at the Rainbow Journey Club. Now, I realize that there is a cost for this. It's extremely low for founding members. And, you know, guys, this is not a get rich thing for me. It really isn't. You know, yes, I have to I have to charge something because I spend time and energy and put effort into this. I mean, I really do. There, there are hours involved, I promise you. So, yes, I have to charge something because, you know, I have to live, I have to pay bills, and I have to, you know, try to provide for my family and I. But this truly is a place that I am trying to create for people to belong to love one another, to encourage one another. We're going to have roundtable discussions, um, book club to help and, and, and you know, learn and, and discuss and weekly prayer. And it's just something that I want to create and offer you. So if you have any interest, I would just encourage you to look at the Rainbow Journey Club in the show notes, okay? All right. Well, that's it for this Bible Talks. You know, I hope that you can take comfort that we're not alone. We've got people there for us. We've got people that want to help us. And you aren't alone because you have God there for you. He's in your camp. He's there cheering you on. He's there loving and strengthening you every single day if you just lean into that and receive it. And I pray that blessing upon you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I ask. Amen. Now, until next time, don't forget to heal those hurts, move those mountains, and may God truly bless you. Bye-bye, my friend.